we'll start again. John 20, 24 to 29. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the speech. Imagine, imagine that you'd bought a national lottery ticket during the week and then you'd gone away to the south coast for the weekend and at nine o'clock on Saturday night your brother or sister perhaps who, who's looking after your house, maybe looking after your dogs or whatever, you've left them behind, phones you and says, hey brother, guess what, you left your national lottery ticket next to the sink in the kitchen and I thought, well I thought I'd just check the numbers and you've won all six numbers. And what's more, there's only one winner tonight. You're a multimillionaire, mate. You're a multimillionaire. What would you do? Would you say, well, thanks, brother. That's really nice to know. I'll, uh, when I get back tomorrow night, I'll take the ticket from you. And maybe on Monday, I'll wander in and, uh, and claim my prize. No, of course you wouldn't. You'd say, I can't believe it. I don't believe it. You'd say, hold on to the ticket. Lock the doors. Don't do anything with it. Hold on to it. I'm getting in my car now. I'm driving back home now. Because I can't believe it until I see it. I've got to see those numbers for myself. Well, in the reading we've just heard, Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples, was in a bit of a similar situation. Because, you see, he'd seen Jesus die on the cross and been buried. And then his, some of the other disciples tell Thomas that they've seen Jesus alive. And Thomas says, I can't believe it. I'm not going to believe that. Not unless I see him for myself will I believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. In fact, that's not even good enough. He said, I want to check out the nail holes in his hands where he was nailed to the cross and in his feet and the hole in his side where a spear was thrust into his side before I'll believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. And you know, interestingly enough, you and I, in, in a way, we're, we're in a similar kind of situation, aren't we? Because to be a Christian, the bottom line is that we have to believe that Jesus lived, that he died on the cross in order that our sins could be forgiven, and then that he rose again from the dead on that first Easter day. That is the bottom line of Christianity. But like Thomas, we can't actually see Jesus. And that means we have to have faith. There's a verse on the front of your service sheet from a letter written to the early church. And it says this, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So is being a Christian just a blind leap of faith in a 2,000-year-old story? 
Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my life believing something that's not true, because that would just be a big waste of time. Especially for a vicar, that would be a very big waste of time. So how can we have faith? How can we know that there's a God who loves us and that that really matters? Well, briefly, there are three things that we can kind of hang our hats of faith on, if you like. Three reasons we can be confident that we do matter to God and that it matters how we respond to him. And I'm going to use the analogy of a marriage in order to look at our relationship to God. Okay? So firstly, in a marriage, we have a document. This is my marriage certificate. It says that I am married to Kirsty, that we are husband and wife. And as a Christian too, we have a document, the Bible, which tells us about our relationship to God, about the God who loves us. And in the Bible... There's a passage that says that to all who receive him, in other words, who receive Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to be children of God. In other words, our relationship with God is the most close, intimate relationship. He welcomes us into his family as his children, just like the meaning of the baptism service this morning. A.V. Rose is welcomed into God's family. And there are many other wonderful promises in the Bible. Because some people think, well, I know so-and-so might be good enough to be a Christian or something, but I'm, I'm not, you know. But you know, there's a wonderful promise in the book of Revelation. Uh, and it says this, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And Holman Hunt, who was a famous painter, Holman Hunt painted a picture of this verse. Jesus is standing at a door, knocking. And this door represents the door of your life and of my life. And it represents the fact that Jesus knocks on the door of every single person's life and waits to be invited in. And his promise is that if we will invite him in, he will come in. No ifs or buts. I will come in, he says. That's a wonderful promise. We don't have to be good enough. So just, those are just one or two of the wonderful promises for us in this document on which we can hang our hat of faith. But there's also something else, which is an event that took place. So I may have a marriage certificate that says that Kirsty and I are married, but also I can look back to an event that happened 33 and a half years ago, in a little village church in Bletchingley in Surrey, when Kirsty and I stood before the minister and made our vows, witnessed by, I don't know, 150, couple of hundred people. And as a Christian, we know that an event took time and a particular place in history, witnessed by hundreds of people, when Jesus was crucified, when he died, when he was buried... And then three days later, he rose to new life and was seen by many, many people on that first Easter Sunday. And in case you wonder whether it really is an event in history, remember that all of history, all of history is split into two halves. BC, before Christ, everything before Jesus walked the earth is BC, and AD, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Everything after Jesus is AD. 
Jesus is the centerpiece of human history. Every email send or receive carries with it the number of years, days and months since Jesus appeared on earth. Did you realise that? Isn't that amazing? But some people say, well, okay. But even if that was true, that Jesus lived and died on the cross, and, and even if it's true that he rose again from the dead, how could that possibly be relevant to my life today in 21st century Britain? And the answer to that very good question is that it's extremely relevant today because the things we do and the things that we say, the things that we think, have consequences. And there's a verse from the prophet Isaiah which helps us to picture what these consequences are like and what they mean. And it goes like this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I've seen it explained in a wonderful way, which I'm going to try and do for you now, so that you can understand what's what's being said here. Imagine that my left hand is is people like you and me. That's us here. We were made to live in a relationship with God. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, God's somewhere up there. But there's a problem, and the problem is this is that let this book, just for the moment, represent all of the bad things in our lives. What the Bible calls sin. All the things that we've done that are wrong, things that we've said that have hurt people, the, the bad thoughts that have been in our minds, the things the Bible calls sin, they cause a partition between us and God. They break the relationship between us and the God who loves us. And then just for imagine for a moment that my right hand is, represents Jesus. Jesus is the only human being who never sinned. He lived a perfect life. And Jesus' relationship with God was completely clear and perfect. He could always relate to his Father. And what this verse says is that we, you and I, all like sheep have gone astray. All the rubbish in our lives that's messed up that relationship with God. We've each turned to our own way. And the Lord, in other words, God, has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And so what it means is that on the cross, Jesus took all of the rubbish, all of the bad things, all of the the bad deeds, thoughts and actions that we've ever done, and he paid the penalty for us. He died in our place. That's how much he loves us. And do you see where that leaves us? That leaves us free to have a relationship with God. Isn't that wonderful? That's what Jesus has done for us. That's how much he loves us. But some people think that, well, okay, that sounds good, but I, I'm really, I'm, I'm not a nice person. I'm not a good enough person to deserve God's love and forgiveness. Well, the wonderful news of the gospel, and gospel means good news, that's what the word means, the wonderful good news of the gospel is that we don't have to be good enough to earn God's love. In fact, we can't earn it. Um, it's, it's impossible to earn God's love. We're all in the same boat. And St. Paul the Apostle wrote this. He said, the wages of sin is death. In other words, without Jesus, we're all headed for permanent spiritual death. But the gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus. In other words, the salvation that Jesus has won for us on the cross, it's a gift of God. We don't earn it. We don't have to be good enough. In fact, we can't earn it. It's a gift, freely given. It's costly because it cost Jesus his life, but it's offered to us freely. And we can all receive this gift through repentance and faith, which means turning away from the bad stuff in our lives and putting our faith in Jesus and what he's done for us. And that's what the words of the baptism service spoke of earlier. Do you remember the questions? Do you repent of the sins that separate us from God and neighbour? I repent of the sins, turning away from the bad stuff. And then do you turn to Christ as saviour? That's putting our faith in Jesus. I turn to Christ. And that's why we can also hang our hats on the event of Jesus' death and resurrection when he died for us and rose again. And finally, the third hook, if you like, on which we can hang our, our hat of faith is on our personal experience. I might have a marriage certificate. I might look back to the event when Kirsty and I said our marriage vows in that church. But also, of course, I can think of the 33 and a half years that I've been married to a woman. It's a shame she's not in the room to hear that, actually, but she's in the creche, helping in the creche today. But, but you, you can tell her I said it, can't you? So we can also, as Christians, hang our hats on the experience of knowing God's love in our lives over the years since we've put our trust in Jesus. And for me, that happened just over 17. Having been an atheist, that means a non-believer for most of my life. And, uh, and, but millions of other people, myself, that it makes in our lives when we open that door to Jesus and invite him in. So our faith, just to, just to conclude, our faith is founded partly on a document that tells us that, that we have a God who loves us and rose again so that we could be forgiven of all the bad stuff in our lives. And it's founded on the experience of Christians down the ages who have known the difference, the massive difference it makes when, if you are in a place of, of, of either not believing or not sure or would like to explore further, I invite you to consider coming on our This Terms Alpha course. It starts on May the 9th, Tuesday evening, 7.45. Uh, yeah. Please do have a chat with me or just phone the church office if you'd like to uh, come along and just try out one evening of the Alpha course. 17 years ago, I made the decision to put my faith in Jesus. I'm so glad I did. But I just want to finish now with a prayer. Because if there's one person here this morning, maybe more than one, but if there's one person here this morning who's just from what you've heard, you just think, do you know, I want to make that step of faith myself. I never have, and today I want to, to really know what it means to have that God who loves me. You can do that as I pray this prayer. And you can pray it silently in your heart along with me. Let's close our eyes just to give space for this into our lives. So Jesus is with us now by his spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for dying on the cross. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done wrong in my life and I turn away from them. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Amen.